Welcome to episode number 333 of Category 5 Technology TV. It's Tuesday, the Mm -hmm. 4th of February, 2014. Hey, I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Krista Wells. New upcoming awesome stories in the newsroom today, folks. So, first off, happy birthday, Bookface. Right? Some students have been expelled from school for hacking the computers to change their grades. Smart kids. Canada is spying on your Wi-Fi signals. Little creepy. Mobile app developers with in-app purchase have two months to stop tricking people or go to court. Stick around. These stories are coming up later in the show. Thanks, Krista. Tonight, Krista and I are going to be taking you on an epic journey to the stars. We're going to be learning to use free (laughs) software to create incredible vistas of outer space goodness. You don't want to miss that. So much time. So little to do. Wait, flip that. Reverse it. Thank you. Stick around. It's going to be a great show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Hey, check out our website, www.category5.com. TV. So nice to have you here tonight. Uh, and uh, I just want to remind you about our mobile website. It's m.cat5.tv. Check out that QR code or just visit the site m.cat5.tv on any mobile device. And uh, you'll be able to watch the show live, listen to the show live. We've got live radio feed there as well as catch on-demand video. Check out our photo gallery and so on and so forth. It's a awesome. vast universe of mobile goodness. Well, you should check it out. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. And cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. I want to also make mention there is some new Category 5 gear available in the Category 5 merch store. Cool. Very excited about this place. It's shop.category5.tv. Jot's going to post that in the the chat room for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, check out... We've got 8x10 photographs. Yes, we do. Is that what they're, they're like mug shots of the cast and crew of Category 5 Technology TV, which is a fun thing. So those are available now. We've got T-shirts. We've got all kinds of uh, interesting stuff. Uh, so check out shop.category5.tv. Do you want... I, I should mention the reviews. We've got a really cool yes. review system. Krista yes. was kind enough to throw in a couple of reviews for us as well for some of the swag that you've picked up. Yes. It's good stuff. It is. It really is. If you've got something from the Category 5 merch store, if you got it from our uh, Indiegogo campaign, however you've obtained it, please go into our shop and review it for us. It just helps the next people to realize that, whoa, these stickers are amazing. Yeah, they don't just look awesome. They actually are are really awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the stickers are high tech. They (laughs) stick on everything. Put them through the dishwasher. Cool stuff. The shirt was so comfortable. 
probably check it out. It's good swag. All right. Well, I'm excited about tonight's feature, and I think we should just jump right into it because we sure do should. also have a lot of your viewer questions that you've sent in to live at Category5.tv. So, Krista, we're going to want to cover as many of those tonight as we can. Of course. So let's rock out this feature. Great having you here. Join us in the chat room. It's Category 5 on Freenode. Tonight, here's what we're taking a look at. We're going to learn to use the GNU Image Manipulation Program to create beautiful space vistas. It's as simple as that. We're getting used to a new system tonight, just so you're aware. There we go. Our tablet, mm-hmm. I'll just before we get started, our tablet last week fried itself. Crazy. Just was not happy with this. We used a tablet there. to cue all the music, so that's why the music was still playing. I didn't realize that with the new software oh. that it's <laughs> it's still playing. And I just looked down and realized, oh, you guys have been listening to the music for like eight minutes. How lovely. Um, it's all going to be stuck in their heads tomorrow. Yeah, our tablet. I'll show you. Because <laughs> normally it's, well, it's a tablet that powers all our music, right? And these A500 tablets from Acer all of a sudden all, all killed themselves. All they, at once. All at once. Uh, I think that they released an update or something. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and so they're just dead. They, that's that's all they update. do. That's it. So last week, I don't know if you were watching live. If you were watching live, you realized that there was no show music. It's because that's... It's good, good product placement, That's though. what our tap... Yeah. <laughs> don't buy it. It doesn't work. Um, so we've done... We've flashed it. I've flashed it. I've gone through the steps. I've got a new update.zip. I've learned all the fancy mm-hmm. coordinated finger things that you do. Here we go. Ah. Time it. Got it. And see, I'm running through... The reinstall of the OS here goes into... And there's no bringing it back. It's dead. Mm-hmm. How sad. Very, very sad. How sad. <sighs> so then, you know, it's one of those things here at the show, and it's a, that's part of what the this, this shop is for. We're really hoping to upgrade our cameras, but then stuff like this happens. And it's, you know, it's a bit you of a setback. You can't help it. You know, you can't Technical help it. Technical difficulties. So, so tonight we're using a different rig. Uh, and hopefully I'll be able to cue all the music just yes. fine. Okay. <laughs> so all that said, moving along. Good stuff. Tonight, I want to show you how to create a space scene just like this one, which I created using the techniques that I'm going to show you tonight. This is created in the GNU Image Manipulation Program, the GIMP. It's absolutely free. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. This software, which you can download for Windows, Linux, Mac, you're able to create this type of scene, which sometimes gets annexed. Don't know what happened there. You're all laughing, right? Okay. All of you. So the GIMP is available at GIMP.org. It's called GNU Image Manipulation Mm -hmm. Program. Uh, Let's bring it up. GIMP.org. Or in your repositories, you're going to see that this is where you can get it for Linux or Unix or anything like that. OpenSUSE, Mandriva, BSD, Solaris, etc., etc. Unix kind of style systems. So what do you do if you're on Windows? It's not available there. Uh, What you need to do is you need to get one of the nightly builds. I'm going to put all of these links in the show notes for episode number 333 so that you have them. But I want you to know how to get this. Nightly.dark refraction.com slash gimp again links will be in the show notes for episode number 333 excuse the advertising uh, but there are uh, downloadable versions here okay so on mac 
Mac is a little bit more experimental, Krista. I, I'm sorry to say. But one of the things with Mac is you like to do design work and you like to have your Photoshop and everything like that. You say it like it's a bad thing. I'm saying that this is free. <laughs> okay, so sourceforge.net slash projects slash GIMP on OSX 10. But we'll say X just so that it spells out right. And there you go. There's the download for GIMP on OS 10. All right? So three different versions for you for three different mm-hmm. operating systems. I'm using Linux tonight, but this is a free download for you no matter what platform you're on. Again, if you missed those links, either rewind the video, get into our chat room so that you can ask in there, or look at the chat logs for episode number 333 on our website, which is category5.tv. So we'll open up the GIMP on my system here. And here we go. So version 2.8 is the one that I'm running right now as of February 4th, 2014. And first thing we're going to do is create a new canvas. So that's file, new. And let's say we're going to create this. Uh, What screen resolution do you work in typically, Krista, as far as your computer goes? Uh, I believe it's... 1024 by I don't know. Oh, it's a it's a fairly small screen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's just a laptop. Well, let's, let's go with uh, like, let's go with say it's 1080p. So uh, th- this is just the resolution. It doesn't really matter, but you want it to be big enough that it's usable. So I'm going to go 1920 by 1080, just so it's a nice big canvas. All right. So there's my canvas to start working on. That's what we're going to draw on. So you look at that kind of a picture. Of course, you're going to think this is going to be a lot of work to sit there and have all the stars, put all those stars everywhere, draw a beautiful planet and do these solar flares and things like that. Once you get this routine down, you're going to be able mm-hmm. to do this with free software, mind In you. In your sleep. Not even. It, it, five minutes and you'll be able to rock out one of these photos. And you saw how realistic cool. this looks. So. So let's actually do it. Let's see if this can actually be done. We're on live TV tonight. I've created my blank white canvas. I'm going to right-click on my canvas and go Filters. And what we want to do is we want to add our stars. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to um, add our basically like noise. But I think what, I, what I'd actually want to do first, rather than getting into complicated inversion and stuff, I'm going to actually fill my canvas with black. Does that make sense? It's a space scene. Uh, there's a black foreground color. So what I've done is I've just filled with foreground black. Okay. Let's make a new layer so that we can manipulate that background layer later. And on that layer, let's right-click and go Filters, Noise, and we're going to go Hurl. And you may think as you click on Hurl, uh, I'm just going to use the default settings, 50% uh, randomization and repeat 1. Random seed is 10. I'm just going to hit, uh, I'm going to turn on Randomize, actually, instead of a random seed there, and hit OK. Just so, so that just adds a whole bunch of noise, basically. It's like white noise. But you see that that actually starts to, it kind of looks like stars, but they're colorized. So what we need to do is we need to decolorize that, or what's the word that we would use is desaturate. So it's one of our filters, and we go with a luminosity desaturation. But in fact, before I do that, I find, I don't know about you, Krista, but that's a really star-heavy really universe, is. right? Yeah. That's so like there's just, Star Wars. There's too many stars. <laughs> Okay, so in order to get rid of those, while it's still a color, I haven't desaturated yet, while it's still color noise, I'm going to go into my colors filters and do levels, which you're familiar with from Photoshop, if you use Photoshop, and grab the, uh, the shadow one, which is on the far left here, the triangle there that I'm dragging, and drag. 
closer to the right. And you'll see what starts to happen is some of those stars or the noise starts to disappear. There we go. So when I, when I found a spot that seems pretty good to me, then I can hit OK. You'll notice, too, that I've pressed the one key on my keyboard, so I'm not zoomed out to the full canvas because then it just looks black. I actually want to be zoomed in to one so that I can see that, yeah, there are quite a few stars there. So I'm going to now right-click and go Color, Desaturate, and change to Luminosity, and you'll see that what's happened is it's just simply changed my stars to white dots in the sky. But because they were all different colors previously... They actually have different shades of white, gray, silver, that kind of thing. So I'm starting to get a bit of a starfield-looking thing going on here. But there's something missing. We don't really have any kind of flares or anything like that coming off. We don't have any kind of um, sparkle, is what the GIMP calls it. So I'm going to right-click and go Filters, Light and Shadow, and Sparkle. And what Sparkle does is it just adds a little bit of a shimmer to points of light mm -hmm. and things like that because these are simple dots throughout our canvas it's it's pretty easy to work with luminosity threshold you'd probably want it really really low not quite to zero but i've got it at the very lowest setting uh, 0 0.001 and my flare intensity let's start at say 0 0.08 the rest of them i'm just going to leave as default 24 15 1.0 and then zero the rest of the way Natural colors, everything else. Hit OK. And we'll just see how that looks. Okay, so that didn't make enough of a difference for me. So what we'll do, just kind of tweak our settings. I'm going to zoom back out to one. And let's run another filter here. Notice what I did is I hit Control Z to undo the last effect. Add sparkle again. And let's change our... Uh, settings here just a little tiny bit. I'm going to bring up the flare intensity to say 0.14 and bring up my luminosity threshold to 0 0.003. And did you see that? Yeah, they just kind of popped out a little bit. I'm going to control Z to undo and then control Y to redo. And you see what's happened is some of them have just kind of brightened up a little bit. I'm going to show you what it's actually done. I'm going to zoom in a little bit, and here's one of the stars here. And you can see that it's actually added a bit of a... bit of a glow to it. A bit of a glow. Yeah, that's a good word for it. And so we're really starting to get a star field kind of look. I want to, I'm going to control Z, and I'm going to, add a, I'm going to make it a little bit heavier just for you at home so that you can see what this does. I'm going to increase my luminosity to 0 0.004 and my flare intensity to 0 0.18. Well, <laughs> I still have my selection there. Let's try that again. Filters, repeat, sparkle. There we go. So that's a much more extreme example. That's not quite what I would do, but I wanted to show you so that it can be really clearly seen on your screen what we're actually doing. We're adding this kind of a shimmer kind of sparkle to those uh, to those stars. So I'm going to go back into that. I've undone it, and I'm going to find the threshold that works for me. And, and a lot of it, and Krista, you know this from graphic design, but a lot of it is just kind of playing with the settings, and undoing yeah. and redoing, and, and going back and forth until you find that perfect threshold. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change based on um, the size of your canvas, mm -hmm. how many stars there are, how bright they are, um, the sparkle 
you know, the settings will be different based on those various things. So let's turn down our luminosity to 0.2 and flare intensity. Let's try, uh, and that was 0.002, sorry. And flare intensity to 0.15. And there are the rest of the settings as well. And we'll hit OK and we'll see how that looks. That looks pretty good to me. How do you like that, Krista? Yeah, it looks nice and glittery. Yeah, nice and glittery, she says. Okay, so next step is we need to... Now, we've got a beautiful star field, and you can use that. If you like star fields and you want to just go with that and set that as your desktop background, it's pretty perfect. Uh, looks really nice. But we want to add more. We want to go all out. Let's add a mm -hmm. planet. So what's involved in creating something as unique as a planet? Well, let's get over to... We're going to use the Google search engine today. And I'm going to go into image search. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to try rock texture, for example. Now, you'll see that there are a ton of different textures here from earth rocks. What we want to do, because you may be using this, you may be distributing this, you may be sharing this, you may be putting right. it online. In our case, we're broadcasting it on the air. We want to make sure that we have the rights to use the photos that we're going to use. So let's go into search tools, usage rights, labeled for commercial reuse and modification. Mm -hmm. So now we're only looking at photographs of rocks that we are allowed to use royalty-free and we're not going to have any kind of lawsuits or anything like that. So, so we're safe. Good. Good tip. So we don't want cobblestones. That's not going to work for our planet surface. But you want to look and think, think, okay, well, what would look like a nice surface from space for a planet? If we wanted to go with something like a Mars-looking thing, maybe that would work really well. Um, what else could we go with? If one stands out to you, Krista, just say the word. I don't know. There's so many that could There's work a lot in to uh, from. different applications of it. So I'd I probably, just... I'd stay away from maybe the silverish kind of stone, go with something with a bit more color because it's more interesting as far as against the night sky. Cool stuff though, eh? So let's go back up to the top. I'm just going to grab one here. Let's pick, what we're doing here is we're picking the texture for our planet, what it's going to look like on the surface. I would say either... Something like that. Or perhaps if we want to go something a little bit more um, scourged by space dust. Yeah. Something like that. You want to go with that? Yeah. Why go subtle? Okay. So let's grab that image. We're going to go copy image location. Go back to the GIMP and go file, open location, paste in the URL, and open it up. So now we need to make sure that our canvas is uniform square. So we're going to go image, canvas size, grab the smallest number and paste it into the largest number, and then hit resize. So now we've got a perfect square canvas, and you see that the, the actual um, image extends out past the canvas. So we need to right-click again and go layer, layer to image size. So now we've got that. So next up, we need to turn this into a planet. We're going to right-click, filters, distorts and apply lens real simple what we want to do with this is we want to adjust the lens refraction index to give that good round appearance to our planet notice that there are you know you see the edges there but you do see a round circle mm -hmm. or a sphere it's a little in there 3d a little yeah bit. and the more the more you refract it the more round it's, you know, the more it's going to look like it's popped out. So we're going to find something that looks realistic. I'm finding with this canvas, which is about 2,500 pixels square, 
um, about a one one point eight to one point nine is is good. I'd say one point eight. So now we're going to do that. And there we go. Now, if this happens, I'm glad that this happened because this is um, this is something that may drive you nuts if you're not sure. Okay, well, why did it all of a sudden give me this green stuff at the bottom? What happens there is that the color indexing of this particular file is off. Okay. So there's something wrong with the file, the source image, or um, it just doesn't manipulate very well out of the box. So what you can do in that case, watch this. I'm so glad that happened. Can't really explain those kinds of things. Okay, so Control A to select all. Control C is to copy into your clipboard and now paste as new image. So now I've created a new image with that image. But now uh, if all goes well and I repeat the apply lens, I'm not going to have that weird issue with the green at the bottom. There we go. Okay, so we've just solved that problem. I can close the original image, which I no longer need. Now you can see that you've got this nice sphere there, but it has the outer edge. So we're going to grab the circular marquee up at the top there, the ellipse. Grab the top left corner, drag down to the bottom right corner, hold in your left shift key to make it so that it's a perfect circle, and then just let go and drag that marquee just to the right spot and copy it to your clipboard. Okay. Now back at our space scene, we're just going to simply paste that in. You'll see that it is huge compared to our canvas. So that's not going to work. Let's paste into a new image. And now we're going to scale that. That's what it looks like now. Looking pretty good. Let's scale it. Let's go image, scale image, and we want it to be about 600 pixels based on the canvas size. So now copy and paste that. Oh, that's way too big still. Oh, wait, no, I'm zoomed in. Sorry. There we go. No, that's not so bad. Looks a little bit like Death Star right now. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to just position that anywhere on our canvas uh, without letting it crop out to the edges. But now with the, that layer selected, I want to right-click and go Alpha to Selection. So you see what I've done is I've created a marquee that is specifically around that planet. That's by right-clicking on the layer name and going Alpha to selection. Now right click and go select and we're going to grow that by we said it was 600 pixels so we want to do about 50% of that so let's make it 50% uh, of that is 300 pixels. We're going to grow that selection by that much. Then we're going to feather the selection and what that means is of course uh, we are softening up those edges. I think, the, see, that's going outside of the uh, canvas. I don't want to make it that big. Again, we, we kind of play that with that a little bit. Grow that. Let's make it a little bit less. Let's, let's try 150. That looks pretty good. Okay, so now feather the selection to soften the edge. We're working with a 1280, or no, a 1920 by 1280 canvas, so my feather should be about 350 pixels to soften that edge. And now if I create a new layer and fill it in black, watch what happens. Not the layer, but the, my marquee. Now my planet has kind of disappeared as if it's it's kind of there, as if it's covered by an eclipse. So now deselect and drag that layer and see what we're doing is we are actually creating a sh shadow on our planet. And we now have a planet that looks, that looks pretty awfully cool. well. Okay, so 
real quick, now let's link those two layers together, the shadow and our planet, so that we can move it anywhere on the screen that we like. Let's move it on our canvas to, say, over here. And you'll notice that my stars are being covered by the shadow, and that's not the case because they are actually in the distance. So again, let's right-click on our planet, alpha to selection, then right-click on our shadow, and we're going to add a layer mask, and that is based on the selection. And now you'll see that the stars now shine through. Now, where's that light coming from, Krista? Oh, from the top. That's the thing. Let's make a new layer. Yeah, it's coming from the top left area, just like my demonstration image. But we, we want to create that light. So let's right-click. I've created a new empty layer. Filters. Notice this is something that I love about the GIMP. Krista, you probably, I don't know if you recognize this as I'm doing it, but one of the things that I do love about the GIMP versus Photoshop is that mm -hmm. I'm working with blank, empty layers. I don't have to have a canvas that has material on it to manipulate. If I want right. to add a lens flare, for example, mm -hmm. I don't have to have, have something on the canvas mm -hmm. in order to flare it. I can work with a completely empty layer. Know what I mean? Cool. So that's what I, and I say that because that's exactly what I'm about to do, uh, which I think is kind of a downfall of Photoshop and an advantage to the GIMP, which is free filters, light and shadow, supernova. And we're going to position that where we think. This is a representation of our canvas. So let's position it where we think the light point should probably be. Color it white. And let's start off with very few spokes. Because you don't want it to look too fake. You want it to look like an ambient kind of burst of light. Get the radius up a little bit so that it's quite bright. And then hit OK. And there we go. So now we've got a sun. We've got the shadow in approximately the right place, which we can unlink the shadow. And we can move that shadow if we want to improve the, uh, the position of it. And then we can change the mask. So let's remove that, delete the layer mask, create a new mask from here. There we go. So then we end up with a, a more accurate representation of where the light would be falling. And there you have it. So another under five minutes flat, pretty much, you mm -hmm. can create that kind of an image. We did it in about uh, 20 minutes tonight because we're, we're kind of walking you through yeah, everything. Yeah, going step by doing. step. Yeah. That's but that's, cool. uh, that's as simple as it is. Um, and you can start creating these things. And, you know, I'm giving you this demonstration. What I'll do, I will post the XCF file, which is the master file. It's like a PSD file uh, in Photoshop terms with the layers and everything so that you can play around with that and, and get a look at it. But feel free to try it out on your own. Get GNU image manipulation program from the sources that I've given you there. And again, all of the links will be in the show notes for episode number uh, 333 for mm -hmm. you. And there you have it, folks. Cool. Our space scene. There's going to be right a here. lot of desktop background changes. We're going to see a week. lot of them. We need, yeah, <laughs> we need to stick the Category 5 logo somewhere in there. there oh, you yeah, go. it just faded in the back. That looked really cool. That would look really, really cool. Thanks, everybody. Good Are you ready back. for it? I am ready for some great news stories. Excellent. Yeah. Take it away. All right. So here are the top stories from the Category, category 5.tv newsroom. In a interview recorded one year after the launch of Facebook, founder Mark Zuckerberg sat drinking a beer hard at work. 
Mm -hmm. Explaining what he thought of Facebook as an online directory for colleges. It started exclusively with 29 schools in its first year, and Mark's goal was to make it into a way for students to connect to one another with an online college directory. Facebook is celebrating 10 years of existence today, and to mark the occasion, the company created a special lookbook feature, uh, giving users a nostalgic look into their Facebook history. The feature consists of video tailor-made for each user, showing their most important Facebook moments, such as most liked posts and photos. Mark posted on his timeline, when I reflect on the last 10 years, one question I ask myself is, why were we the ones to build this? We were just students. We had way fewer resources than big companies. If they had focused on this problem, they could have done it. The only answer I can think of is we just cared more. Makes <laughs> sense. How has Facebook, <laughs> Facebook impacted your digital life in the past 10 years? It's interesting. Eh? I mean, I think it's it's not so much that they cared so much. Sure. It's that uh, they, saw they just happened to have a need. They yeah. kind of wanted to fill it and figured out a... The right place at the yeah. right time. The first ones to do it, at least at that scale. Interesting that it started out as... And I remember when it started. It yeah. was literally just a school thing. And then all of a sudden it caught on and, yeah, everybody, and everybody was using it. It was look back. So facebook.com slash look back. Have mm-hmm. you visited that URL? Yes. Yep. It's pretty neat. Basically yeah, takes the, <laughs> the top 10 moments as far as Facebook is concerned from time your line. time mm-hmm. on Facebook. So for me, it goes back to 2007. Mm-hmm. And you saw that picture there. This was from uh, a, a concert that I did in 2007. That's actually me on the stage with my wife, Becca. Um, and that was a, a moment in my history. And so really neat that Facebook put all this together, mm-hmm. made a video. So if you're on Facebook, check that out. It's facebook.com slash look back, although it's pr- pretty much gone viral at this point. Yeah. So. On my and Facebook wall today, today, it's all pretty much what it was. is just a shared link of this. Yeah. I think after yeah. the first one or two, you, you're not really apt to watch yeah. your friends <laughs> look back. Yeah. I think it's more for you. Yes. You don't need to Yeah, but everyone it. was so amped about it as out there. I think, I yeah, think it was a great it was, promotional it was awesome. feature. Yeah. Pretty awesome for sure. Good work, Facebook. Good way to celebrate. Way to go, book face. <laughs> 11 students have been expelled from a school in Southern California for allegedly hacking teachers' computers and changing their grades. It is believed that key loggers were installed on computers, which helped pupils to gain remote access. He doesn't even have a computer. No way. Just doing on the little cat scan, it'd fill in the circles. <laughs> uh, Newport Beach police are keen to interview a private tutor, 28-year-old Timothy Lay. Investigators allege that he assisted the students in, in compromising school computers and <laughs> manipulating grades. He forgot to show be... them how not to get caught. Exactly. Hello. Oh, well, maybe uh, next time he'll figure it out. The school at the center of the hacking scandal is Corona Del Mar High School in Newport Beach. I think their problem is they have the same name as a beer. Mm. I think the, so. Those, maybe they get free beer at school. It's so interesting though that a, a private tutor has shown them how to do this. What kind of private tutor? For one thing, maybe it's just one of those guys that's like, "I'm so cool. I can so relate with sure. these kids. Look yeah. at this." They think <laughs> I'm awesome if I show them how to hack their grades. But yeah, they, they think you're real cool expelled. now. Real cool. Sorry, buddy. There is a price tag on your head. Next time, just take the kids' candy. I did that kind of crazy stuff in high school, and I never got caught. (laughs) So I I, like did all kinds of stuff. I was the change your grades. 
I knew how to. Oh, I didn't because he... I wasn't a dishonest person. But, sure. Um, and besides, my grades were crazy awesome. Anyways. Yeah, they're all just what am A I going to do? A plus plus plus? Come ridiculous. on. That's just stupid. Oh. Oh, uh, well. What else you got for us? <laughs> Nothing Don't as good caught, as that. Don't get caught, folks. Don't mm-hmm. get caught. Revealed in a leaked government document, Canada's electronic spy agency collected we data from, apparently, oh, neat. from travelers passing through a major airport. They collected information captured from unsuspecting passengers' wireless devices by the <laughs> airport's free Wi-Fi system over two weeks, the report says. So anonymous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you can't read the last part of that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's That's the a Toronto little bit Pearl. scary. Oh, it's kind of scary, but yeah. it's also... I don't know. Like, I mean, they shouldn't be worrying about. <coughs> Sorry. I don't know how to phrase this. Um, you know, it's scary that they can get in there and take all your stuff and kind of go through it piece by piece and see if you're a threat. But it's okay. also kind of feels a little bit safe that they're able to do that and can maybe catch some threats. Maybe if possibly. It was for, yeah. Becca and I had this conversation where it's like, as long as you don't live under a corrupt government, the the information is readily available. And it's not dangerous to you unless you're doing something illegal. It's not always the government. You have to be careful, no, though. It's true. like there could be one or two people in there. That's just it's a wise up and realize. Okay, well, if the government can do this illegally, what about the next guy? And right. this is we've touched on this before. I've got my iPod and I've got my email on here, and you can go into a, a cafe or an airport mm-hmm. or wherever. Use their free Wi-Fi. Use their Wi-Fi. But your email passwords and everything are part of that transaction. Your mm-hmm. Facebook passwords are part of that transaction. So if it's unencrypted, which, you know, quite often it's just a wide open free yeah. network. Well, who's sniffing that information? Who now has your password for your email? Who's now using it to blackmail your friends? Send emails and say, ah, yeah. send me money. <laughs> it happens. I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is scary. It is. Is that it for that one? That's it for that one. That's just short and sweet. It's not just. It's kind of funny because they're making it like it's a Canadian story. No, this happens all everywhere. Around the world. Yeah, we're and, not the and first. Is, I'm sure it's, it's just silly that it, it's media hype that it's the Canadian airport has been sniffing your your Wi-Fi access. No, I've got yep. I've got customers who have gone on vacation and the hotel that they're staying in is reading their email. Good because they've given them Wi-Fi access. And who knows why they're doing that? Mm-hmm. They we found out because they started sending spam emails, right. um, authenticating as that user. Right. So it's not just Canada. So be cautious. Be cautious. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that heads up. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Creators of mobile apps that promote in-app purchases are be giving are being given two months to comply with Office of Fair Trading guidelines. Apps that do not reach the standards by April could face legal action. The OFT is attempting to crack down on instances where children rack up huge bills without their parents' consent. Hmm. Earlier this month, Apple agreed to refund refund $32.5 million, or 19.9 million pounds, to customers who had made complaints about unexpected bills from games. Yeah, that'd be super easy to do, too, once you're signed in or if you automatically have it set up to just go through without a password and your kids are in the game and they just click on everything purchase and they they mask these things seriously and these kids games they'll make Mm -hmm. it look like it's just one of the parts of the game of course 
It's like, yeah. click here to get another pet in your pet shop game. Yeah, only 99 cents, yeah. but then oh, 99 cents times. 99 coins, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, well, you need to buy coins and coins. Yeah, $80 yeah. for 100 coins. Exactly, yeah. exactly. All so. that kind of fun stuff. There you have it. Mm-hmm. You guys can get the full stories at category5.tv slash newsroom. The category5.tv newsroom is researched by Roy W. Nash with contributions by our community of viewers. If you have a news story you think is worthy of on-air mention, you guys can email us at newsroom at category5.tv for the category5.tv newsroom. I'm Crystal Wells. And what do we have here? We are giving away a what? lifetime license. Just like that. From cat5.tv slash password. You saw it on the show last week, Password Box. It's got to be one of the best password management systems that I have ever seen. I think they are bleeding edge. And we had the discussion in the chat room this week, some of the viewers and myself, and said, you know what? fact is is that uh, some of the features that they're bringing out are the kind of features that make it go, it's about time. And this is what we're looking for, cat5.tv slash password for a lifetime license. Thank you for casting in your ballots. Here we go. Good luck, everybody. Hope it works out for you. And the winner is... CCSD Guru. Congratulations. You are the proud owner of a lifetime license. Lucky, lucky. For Password Box. Do check it out. Cool. Even if you didn't win tonight, cat5.tv slash password and with password box you saw it last week on episode number 332 if you didn't catch it make sure you go back and uh you can sign up right there there's a free account that gives you up to 25 passwords and uh, and then it's only a dollar a month if you want to continue with oh wow full service so yeah you can't go wrong that's pretty good there you have it welcome to our new registered viewers we have a whole bunch. Take a stab uh, on Tony Freeman. This week, uh, yeah. Ski- oh, psych- <laughs> psychood. Oh, maybe you'll nice get the to tough ones you. this time. Maybe. Terry1968, welcome. Hey, Terry. Uh, L.H. Martin56. Mm. Great having you here. Oh. Thanks for joining us. Sherry, E-T-F-Z-K-K-X-P-D. Yes. Welcome. Oh, I got one too. <laughs> Welcome, by the way, Sherry. Random digits here. Uh, Roma twelve hundred VRNGZ. It is fantastic having you here. Welcome. Happy to have you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, Windows XP has is, is basically coming up on end of life, mm-hmm. and uh, April eighth is the end for Windows XP. If you're not sure what that means, go over to LinuxTechShow.com and find out. You'll see a video there that talks about it. One of the the new problems that have arisen is that with the deprecation of Windows XP, now mm-hmm. all these companies are moving away from XP going to either Windows 7 or Windows 8. Right. Uh, lucky companies are switching to Mac or Linux, but not a lot are. They're going to go with the next logical right. step as far yep. as their Windows progression. So it's Windows 7, and they're finding that now all the infrastructure that they've built for their basic in-house web ah. infrastructure, right, no longer functions because Internet Explorer has progressed to the point where it's no longer Internet Explorer 6, 7, 8. Mm -hmm. It's now version 11, and it's completely different and incompatible with all the old stuff. Yes. So what's Microsoft's response? They are introducing this enterprise mode, is what they call it, which is like a fallback. It sounds fancy, right? But to me, it sounds more like a cop-out 
to stop, you know, we, we need to stop giving people the opportunity to hold back and instead promote better practices and better security practices and say, okay, now your stuff is too old. You built that thing in 2007. It's now 2014. Yeah. You have to upgrade your infrastructure. Let's stop band-aiding stuff and introducing new features and saying compatibility mode mm-hmm. and and enterprise mode now and instead promote upgrading get your system moving. Yeah. i know that it's tough Just i know do you, it. you gotta do it <laughs> so microsoft is making this dumb decision to make their old stuff work and mm-hmm. i think it's going to make their customers a little happier but it's just going to be a support headache when somebody hacks into those old systems true and, but can I say, as a web developer, I'm sure you find this too, yeah. that the extinction of Explorer 6, 7, 8 is a good thing. It really is. <laughs> so stop trying to support stuff that was built for it. Really. So anyway, that's just a random thing. Um, also, interesting stuff that doesn't really conform to the news, but I wanted to show you anyways. Are you a Lego fan? Um, kids, I grew up are, with Lego. Yeah. I've got a soft spot for it. But. You grew up with Lego. How many of us grew up with Lego? Oh, but now like we're everyone. older. We don't really have it. I've finally got Lego in the house because of the kids. Yes. And you probably play with it more than the kids do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But So Lego <laughs> encounters this problem. Okay, well, how can we continue to appeal to our fans mm-hmm. from the 80s and 90s? And, you know, so now everything is transitioning to non-textile and computer-based. Yeah. And so let's take Google Maps, amalgamate it with Lego, and say, what if we would allow you to, in fact, create buildings and architecture in your city using Lego on a Google Maps base? Cool. I want to hear about this. Okay. Go to buildwithchrome.com. You've got to be using Google Chrome. Here you go. Build something amazing. You can start building or you can go explore all builds. Let's try that. Enter the world of build. And it's just like you always dreamed. <laughs> Let's get over to Barry here. Here you go. Let's get up to City Hall. There's Wellington Street. There's Sophia, Sophia, whatever you want to call it. Collier Street. Mm-hmm. And Owen Clapperton. Mulcaster. Mulcaster, where are you? There we are. Okay. So here we go. We're coming up on City Hall. Look, it's turning to Legoland. What's Look happening? at that. Okay. So, you know, our, our great big green City Hall thing is somewhere in this corner. So I can build here. And now I can start saying, okay, let's, let's get started. <laughs> right? And start building our tower over the Mulcaster. And, and I could just build the whole thing. And then I can publish it. And so then what happens is that other people are actually going to be able to see the buildings that I have created. So as, as I look at this world, as I look at Barry or your city or whatever, wherever, here's something over here Sam has created in New York. It looks like tra- uh, World Trade Center. Um, so people are starting to create. There's a house, probably Austin's place. <laughs> so it's pretty neat. But that is simply build with Chrome dot com taking lego and cool. bringing it into 2014 you got to run the chrome browser it's kind of a partnership between lego and google so of course you got to use their stuff 
Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure the site is not blocked at your workplace yet. Not yet. So you should probably so get started. Get on there before. <clears throat> and if it you're smart, you'll you, you'll start building your your business's building, like the storefront. Yeah. In Lego. It's a little promo. So that as as the boss comes, you'll say, "This is this new thing that is going to help us promote it's the company." It's just a promo <laughs> because nobody's using it yet, and so yeah. as they test it, they're going to see our company. We're going to stand out on the map. And then he'll give you a Be promotion. A promotion, folks. A promotion. More money. Nothing bad a, can come A company this. car. It just gets better <laughs> and better. We make no promises. It may not go down like yeah. that. But it's fun. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's how I'm going to spend the rest of my week, probably. <laughs> the designer girl who's supposed to be getting some work done. I'm designing. I'm getting phone calls. Sorry, I'm busy. Can Would I Would you like you? to add it to your repertoire? <laughs> Would you like me to build your company Lego on Lego sure. land? Build yeah. with Chrome.com? Yeah. Make it a part of your, your company repertoire. $200 to build. The, the <laughs> build you your business out of Lego. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for sending in your questions. Our email address is live at category5.tv. Uh, I know we've got a, a fair handful to get through. We've got about 15 minutes left of the show tonight, so we'll do our best. So, Krista, take it away. Sure. All right. Here is a question from Christoba <clears throat> Cristobal. Anyways. Hello. Uh, I am very interested in using DSLRs with Wirecast. Your video mm. using a T2i was really informative. Cool. Uh, I was wondering if the 30-minute video limit can be overcome by not clicking on record, but just opening live view. Would that work? Okay, no. Um, okay, with that, with the 30-minute record limit 29 <laughs> 29 minutes or whatever we talked about this on a recent episode when we talked about um hacking the nikon firmware uh let's take a look at what episode that is because even though you're using canon you might find it quite interesting episode number 330 okay check that out christabel and when you're uh just just think that you know nikon canon doesn't really matter it's still s- similar answers mm-hmm. so the the 29 30 minute limit is because there are laws that say if it records more than 30 minutes 30 minutes or more it's a video camera it's not a still camera so in order to avoid the legalities of that and the extra taxes that they would have to pay canon nikon other camera manufacturers in fact limit their cameras and the firmware so that they don't have to say that this is a video camera Mm. okay so it's a legal thing it's a legal thing and it's a way to get around it while still being able to provide 1080p video on your camera with uh, Magic Lantern on the Canon cameras and with Nikon Hacker on the Nikon cameras, you can remove the 30-minute limit. However, there could still be the problem of the camera turning off the power. That might be the case. I know Nikon Hacker, as soon as we had them on the show, mm-hmm. they, you know, three days later had fixed that. So they may have Good. made more progress. Not sure about Magic Lantern. So that's a different thing altogether. But All right. So Live View will not fix that, but hacking the firmware will. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, regarding the overheating, some say DSLRs do heat up. Others say it doesn't. Have you had any experience on right. this? Again, that comes down to the 30-minute limit. This is one of the things that the camera manufacturers will tell you is that, oh, yeah, we turn off the camera after – or we, t- we stop recording after 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Because your uh, your you know the camera will overheat and burn out. Whatever. 
just like Do your you believe tablet. It? No, that's for real. <laughs> uh, the way that I look at that, here's the thing. When I have my Nikon camera recording, mm-hmm. right? I've got live view mode on. I'm recording a wedding, for example, mm-hmm. with my Nikon camera. Works great. Works great. Yeah. It gets to the 30 minute mark. It turns off. What do I do? Immediately turn it on, push record. Right. Was there any time for it to cool down? No. No. Did it blow up? Did it blow up? No. It's strictly a legal thing that they have to put in place mm-hmm. so that they are not deemed Liable. a video camera. So I don't believe it at all that it's an overheating issue. Don't buy it. And I then, don't buy it. lastly, okay. I want to know if, uh, <clears throat> if you have tried any other setups. Tons of setups. I'll tell you, with DSLRs live versus a, a proper prosumer camera, pro mm-hmm. camera live, the advantage to a, a proper video camera is that they do tend to have better autofocus, plain okay. and simple. When I'm shooting with a DSLR, I turn off the autofocus and I'm doing uh, ring doing adjustments on the fly all the time. Have to do that. You know that when we did the demonstration on episode 330, I had some problems with the autofocus, and I tried my best to manipulate it. But I was the guy on the camera on on the screen, so it was kind of hard. But when I'm shooting, I'm standing there and I'm doing this the whole time. So um, autofocus wise, your actual video cameras are going to do a better job. Um, DSLRs are getting better, but they are mm-hmm. one. They're noisy as far as the autofocus goes. You know, that doesn't sound professional either. It doesn't, but usually we, we have a separate audio <laughs> source anyways. Like here, all of our cameras, we're not using any of the camera microphones, right. of course, right? And that would be the case for you if you're shooting something as well. So, uh, but uh, that that question, that last question was a bit vague, but yeah, I've tried all different kinds of things, but that would be my thought between the two, DSLR versus um, actual video camera. So we're saving up and hoping Good to time. get a, a proper video camera here because we're just using a consumer camera. I know you can't. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe I can use the tablet to show you. Does it work as a mirror? It still says Acer. Can you guys, there's our camera. <laughs> can't really see it, eh? But it's just like a consumer camera, like something that you'd buy. Just a little tiny to take videos of your kids. Of yeah. yeah, but it has HDMI output. So if we could get a pro camera or even a prosumer camera, the video quality would be exponentially better. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. So Which means we'd have to do our makeup a little better before you'd show I'd have to. Yeah, I might have to clean this up a little bit. Yeah. A little more tweezing. <laughs> we'll deal with that when we come to it. <laughs> we'll deal with it. It's a good problem to have. Here is a question from Rev D. Jank. Hey, Rev. Uh, Pent 4 single core, 3 gigahertz, 512 RAM, 80 gigs. HDD has been donated to me. Oh, awesome. I would like to put a small distro on it to present to a family student, family slash student without a computer. Okay. Uh, with training offered through me, what would you suggest? Yeah, it's got very little RAM, but a fairly decent, oh, it's a single core, 3 gig Pent- Pentium 4. So... Um, I don't know. I mean, people will say use DSL or Puppy Linux or something lightweight like that. I tend to like LXDE as far as you uh, for uh, lightweight distribution. So, for ease of use for entry level computing, I would maybe try Lubuntu, which would be the LXDE version of Ubuntu, or Debian with LXDE. But uh, just because that's very very lightweight and it's going to fly, it's going to okay. absolutely fly. 
Zubuntu uh, or Zubuntu with the X. It's All those funny sounding. Yeah, XFCE <laughs> is another lightweight one. I don't like it as much as LXTE, especially if the user is coming from a Windows environment. They're going to really feel at home with LXTE. Uh, we've also looked at Q4OS uh, is an up-and-coming distro, which is very, very lightweight, and it's going to scream on that. But it is designed specifically uh, for those who are coming across from Windows XP because it has that real Windows uh, look and feel, the Redmond kind of look. So there are right. many different options, and it's really uh, play. Try them. Get the boot disks and try them in live mode, which is going to run really, really slow because you've only got 512 meg of RAM. But at least it gives you an idea how it looks and feels. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Lots of options there, anyways. Mm. Thanks for the question. It's a question from DJ Mike. Hi, hey, Mike. Robbie. I know that you're. <clears throat> I haven't heard from you in a long time, my friend. Nice, nice to hear from. He's you. just been learning so much that he hasn't had any maybe, questions. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. So then I noticed that your ISP had even faster speeds than your two hundred two point oh one. Yes. Uh, that you show on your store website. <clears throat> By the way, nice site. Thank you. Anyway, why not use that? I'm sure it's more costly. Also, it says up to 350 megabytes per second, so you might have it. It might all might be also fiber versus just the old cable. Yeah. And there's the link here for yeah, that. Yeah, we're on coax, and fiber is not available in our area. So we're, in fact, and, and what he's referring to here, folks, is... Uh, on our shop, we have interesting opportunities for people to contribute to the show mm-hmm. as donations. And one of the contributions that you can actually make is to offset our inter- our internet expense yes. for a month. So that um, you know, all the video streaming that we do and everything is covered as far as our internet back, back end goes. So we have what's called the ultimate service with Rogers is the company. Um, and they also have, as, you, as he is saying, as DJ Mike is saying, they have ultimate fiber. Mm-hmm. which is 350 megs up and 350 megs down. That would be cool. sick, as the kids say. That would be crazy. Are you still saying but that? It's not a, they, they, I don't know. I think so. Um, but <laughs> it's not available in our area anyways, um, unfortunately. That is fiber. It's a totally different thing. You have to run. Uh, usually there's a very, very high installation, like $10,000 to $50,000 to install it. Uh, we're not going there. The service that we're on is coax. It is free install. And we get, uh, I guess, well, it, it, on their website, Ultimate shows us being up to 20 megs a second. We actually get 10 megs a second up, and we get about 250 to 300 meg down. It's very mm-hmm. skewed to the downloader, unfortunately, uh, because we primarily use upstream. So, But thanks for the comment, because it would be nice to know if there was something else in, out there. So. Good stuff. Question from Old yeah. Salt. Hey, Old Salt. Says, Robbie, my wife has Windows XP on her notebook. There are programs right. Wine will not run, and she doesn't want to lose them. What are these programs? Oh, miscellaneous, he doesn't say. Prince of Persia. If I install install Linux, then install... Jill, Jill of the Jungle. Okay, you keep guessing. I don't know. <laughs> if I install Linux, then install Windows on a virtual drive, will the install be safe after XP support stops? No. A virtual machine is only virtual as far as your hardware is concerned, but the operating system itself is still Windows XP, if that's what it is in the virtual machine. So just like you need to install a virus scanner in your virtual machines right. because they are Windows and they're susceptible to attack, it would also have the same problems if you were to run XP. Now that said, theoretically, because I don't want to tell you to do it because it's dangerous and you need to be careful, 
um, theoretically, if you installed Windows XP in a virtual machine and disabled all networking on that machine, I mean, remove the NIC cards from the virtual machine, then the machine would have no access to anything but it, but itself. So theoretically, yeah, then then you'd probably get away with it. You'd have to mount ISO images to it in order to transfer files, and you you may oh, you can't even do network shares because there's not a network card. That would be the only way to know that you're safe on a Windows XP virtual machine is to completely remove all networking as soon as you open it up. The problem is, and I hope that people understand this, to have that machine on your network, Windows XP, once, <clears throat> once April 8th comes, and that is so susceptible and can't be patched, if somebody can gain access to that system, they can also gain access through your LAN to your other systems. That's one of the big it's dangers. It's really scary. It's a really big danger. Um, somebody said to me um, that uh, th- they thought that it would be perfectly safe if they had a VPN access into their mm-hmm. computer that you know uh, people shared and stuff because it only had access to their computer. And I said, well, what's that? how does that computer get its internet? Well, through the network. Okay, so from that network, can you get it's onto on the, the server? <laughs> oh, Yeah. Can you gain access to the file shares that are on your file server on the network? And yeah. So what's to stop somebody connecting into your computer to jumping over to the server and deleting all your files? Okay, so they didn't go that route. So, so there's a lot, a lot of in- infrastructure to think about when it comes to that kind of thing. So, yeah, you would mm-hmm. definitely still get viruses on it. Just um, as a virtual machine too. So probably time for one right. more quick question. I think. Uh, thank you, everybody, for sending them in. Old Salt, thank you. I hope that uh, hope that helps remove the NIC. Hopefully it's not a networking application. Tell me what the application is. Maybe we can find a way to make it run. Good. Wine has come a long way. Here's a question for Rob Gore. Hey, Rob. I would like your opinion, suggestion on the following. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be setting up a home office very soon. I'm not sure if I should go with a NAS or a file server to store my data. I would say yes. <laughs> you want me to finish them? <laughs> oh, sorry, yes. oh, it was it was one or the other. I, I see. Oh, okay. So both, not both. My plan is to have two machines okay. which will access the files from the NAS or file server. One machine I will be doing CAD work on. The okay. second will be for emails, word processing, etc. Okay. I need something that meets the following criteria: easily or easy to initially set up. Don't really want to spend more than a day. Uh, easy to backup, has good performance, has redundancy. I already have a NAS machine set up for using free NAS, uh, so if I need to set up a NAS, that won't be a problem. Hmm. I've never set up a file server, so I am unsure if it will meet my criteria as mentioned above. If I go, if I go the file server route, I would prefer to use Linux, like to avoid Windows as much as possible. Sure. Yeah, there's no need to go to Windows on a file server for sure. Um, I, your your catch is r- working with CAD because your bottleneck may be your network. You need to make sure you're on mm-hmm. gigabit and that uh, everything, including your file server, is connected on gigabit. As far as your server versus NAS question, I think it really boils down to the redundancy and the storage space that you need. Nice thing about a file server is you can be swapping drives in and out and adding drives if the if the unit supports that, like an unraid unit or something. But for CAD work, it's probably too slow, and and uh, a NAS may be a little bit faster if it's firmware based. It's really it's really a toss up, though. To be honest, both are good mm-hmm. options. Um, you might consider something that's hard connected to one of the computers instead of going network attached something like a drobo so that you've got redundancy 
mass storage connected through say you know a high connect a high speed USB 3.0 connection to your computer that's running CAD and then shared out to the computer that's doing word processing. Okay. That might be a better way because it's going to be a lot faster than connecting through your network when you're working with those big CAD drawings. Uh, but if they're not huge, they're not overly slow to, to access, then either would probably be a good option. All right. I hope that that helps. Mm. That's that's all the time that we've got. I can't believe it. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing something real fun. We're going to be taking a tour of the Category 5 Technology what? TV studio. Pretty cool. Yeah, basically just walking through with one of our cameras and showing you how everything works. So you're going to clean up the place, right? We're going to clean up. Yeah, maybe do some mopping. <laughs> I, I, I hired a robot to do that. I actually got a robot. That like just, a Roomba? Yeah. Kind of thing? Just kind of sweeps for me. Can't be bothered. <laughs> a little bit lazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if they brought out they brought out robots to do the sweeping for me. Why bother? Can we have it running during the show? Probably could. It yeah. might get like, should, stuck on our wires. You should attach a camera stuff. to it and then yeah, like, just let like... it roll around the, the room. Cleaner, cleaner bot cam. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. That's it. Well, thank you so much for your questions, Krista. Always a pleasure having you here. Thanks. Uh, and uh, we're very quickly coming up on our Wirecast features as well. I'll let you know. Don't forget to email me live at category5.tv with the subject line, I want Wirecast. We've got a pro copy of Wirecast 5 to give away. Uh, also in that email, just include your registered username from category5.tv, and then we will cast your ballot uh, when that draw comes up. So it's coming up real fast. Have a fantastic week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 